0: They say that home is where the heart is. Maybe that's why so many fall in love with Big Pine Key and Florida's Lower Keys. With epic ocean views,
1: unspoiled wilderness, sandy beaches, abundant wildlife, RV resorts, and Stock Island's rustic charm. Florida's Lower Keys, don't skip a beat. For more about the Lower Keys and the latest safety protocols,
0: visit flakeys.com slash lowerkeys. This is Bob Costas, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter.
1: The ML Sports Platter, back with you all over the major platforms like Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Deezer, anywhere else you get your podcast on your smartphone device. Be sure to download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are brought to you by Empower Federal Credit Union, Bryant & Stratton College, Rosie's Corner, and our good friends at Stanley Law Offices. It's simple. Just call Joe, com. I am so pumped up to bring in the next guest to the ML Sports Platter. Um, I just remember it like yesterday going to the ballpark at old MacArthur Stadium, Big Mac in central New York, and watching him pitch for the Syracuse Chiefs. He had a terrific major league career as well from a heralded baseball family. He's a three-time World Series champion and now the best-selling author of Relentless Success, Todd Stottlemyre. Welcome in. And, of course, on Twitter, at Todd Stottlemyre and com. Such a pleasure, Todd. Welcome and happy holidays. Well, I'm
0: great. And it sounds like you guys got some snow on the East Coast, so I'm out in Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm All right, this interview's enjoying.
1: over. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, privilege and honored, sir. Well, look, it is terrific uh, to have you and... and I'm so glad we we connected on Twitter and and I heard you on on with Sweeney Murdy uh talking about the book and your career and I I just I kept having all these flashbacks of uh, going to the gate at Big Mac you know and walking in and and running down to the dugout and you would sign baseballs and cards for me back when I was a kid and here we are, my God! Time just goes so fast. Um, I'm 41 years old. Your career's over. You won three World Series. Just such a, uh, you know, just such a terrific run that you've had. And now you have this book. And uh, before I get to the book, before I get to some moments of your career, um, get into that a little bit. The Syracuse Chiefs. You know, pitching for that team. What do you remember about the Chiefs days, Todd? Well. Here's what I would tell you is it was the uh, you know it's funny is is I have great memories. Uh, I
0: spent parts of two seasons there. Um, you know it's funny you always remember the things that that the hits you gave up or the big home runs. I remember <laughs> that. I remember a game I pitched there and and uh, Buner from the from the Mariners at the time was with the Yankees in the minor leagues. Took me deep over that center field wall, oh. 434 feet that's away. A long way, and it was a yep. bomb. And then that same game, there was a guy that came in as the relief pitcher for the Syracuse Chiefs. His name was David Wells, <laughs> and uh, you know Buner took him deep over the same center field wall. Wow. And it was like I remember everybody in Syracuse like we've never seen that happen. I'm like, God, oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, but I would tell you that it was it was it was great moments. It was great times. And uh, you know it was part of the journey. You
1: know, I used to watch Carlos Delgado hit bombs over that wall as well, and there you go. I'll never forget the PA announcer. You know, when he he'd get up to one of my favorite Chiefs of all time, he'd get up to the plate, and of course they were named the Sky Chiefs as well. And uh, you know, he'd get up there, and it was Carlos Delgado, and you were like, "Yep, I'm waiting to get another hot dog. I'm waiting. I'm waiting right here." You know, and boy, <laughs> that, that was a that was a long way out there, man, in center field. Um, yeah. Let's let's get into the book a little bit here. I mean, what what are you trying to get across in this book? What's the message of of relentless success, Todd? Well, the actually the relentless success was my first book. This yep. book that's coming out today is the
0: observer, and and uh, you know the the reason for this book is really is you know it was my mess, and my mess has become my message, and 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 in that mess I found that. You know, it wasn't just me, but you know, if I go back to 1993, you know, and and uh, where I was a pitcher with the Toronto Blue Jays, we had just won our second World Championship in the second consecutive year, and I'm about 27, 28 years old. I'm making millions of dollars. I'm I'm living out my childhood dream that started in Yankee Stadium. And from the outside, you look, you say, "Man, that guy has it all." But the problem was, when I looked in the mirror, I didn't like the guy staring back at me. That's because. 12 years prior to that, I was 15. My little brother was 11. He was on his third bout of leukemia. And uh, they said that the doctors told us that his only chance for long-term survival was a bone marrow transplant at that time. I was the perfect match. Our blood matches, our blood, blood types match perfectly. Um, so I laid down, gave him a bone marrow transplant. Eventually, it put him into a coma that then took his life. So obviously, the family had traditional sadness. But at that moment, you know, looking over looking over him as he had taken his last breath, I had hate and I had guilt. The hate I had was I was mad at the world. And I was so hateful because my 11-year-old brother was just taken from me. And then I had guilt. I was like, maybe my marrow was part of the problem. And, you know, that stayed with me. And I never really healed that pain. And that pain, what would happen is every time I'd get into a situation where there was on the field or off the field, In a situation I couldn't control, that hate and that guilt would come to the surface and ruin the mastery of the moment. And I just got tired of ending up in the same place over and over. So I knew I needed help, and and it was the winter of 1993. I reached out to the guru, the mindset guru and psychology coach of Major League Baseball. His name was Harvey Dorfman. I called Harvey. I said, Harvey, this is Todd Stottlemeyer. He says, I've been waiting on your call. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even know you knew who I was. And, and uh, we booked a meeting. In that meeting, he asked me a very important question. He said, Todd, he says, would you do it again? I said, Harvey, would I do what again? He says, would you do that bone marrow transplant again? I said, yeah, man. I'd do it every minute of every hour of every day. I'd do it over and over. I'd do it anything I could do. He says, didn't you already do that? I said, yeah. He said, did you do everything you could do? And I said, yes. He then got really close to my face and he said, Todd, then let it go. He says, you didn't kill your little brother. And we just broke down in tears and I was a mess. And you know, for the first time in my life, he given me permission to let it go. He gave me permission to forgive. And it was just this overwhelming deal that came over me. And then in the last hour of that meeting, he put me on a seven day challenge where emotionally or mentally, I could not react to anything that challenged me. I could only document. He said what I want you to do is observe your thoughts and observe your motions. And I was like, "Wow." And here's what he here's what happened. And it was the beginning of the observer. He said after 7 days, all these challenges, we're going to build a toolbox for you to help you stay in peak performance, to help you stay in control of your motions and control of your thoughts. And it blew me away and it was the making of the observer and it's been my mission throughout my life. And here's what I would tell you, that there, If you look at 2020, you look at the, you know, whether it's po- politics, whether it's race, whether it's COVID, you think about the difference opinions, knee-jerk reactions, and all the hate in the world. And it was like, I live that hate. I know what it's like. And I, when I watch people respond with all of this emotion and, and friendships and families are being broken because of things, I'm like, I was there. And and not knowing all of this was going to happen in 2020 because I was already prepared to write this book. But man, what a book that, that, that the country and the world needs to understand because that was my mess. And today it becomes my message through this book. And, and then the beauty is it doesn't matter where you're at because there's high performance, peak performance and peak state tools inside this toolbox, models and principles to help people perform and to try to pursue the best version of themselves. So I'm excited about the book. I appreciate you having me on and allowing me to talk about it because I'm very passionate.
1: About this piece of work to you, have done, yeah, no doubt, and and obviously now multiple books. Uh, Relentless Successes, as, as you just mentioned, w- was the first book, and now out is the yeah. Observer. Um, and so you're 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 a, you were a veteran ball player at one point, and now can we call you a veteran author, right? I mean, what do you what do you learn as you get another book out, right? I mean, is it is it harder, easier? Are the books, you know, do you feel like they're they're connected in some way in terms of how you how you started, how you went into it? I, I gotta believe that I think writing a book. And being a play-by-play guy actually are the two hardest things to do in sports media. How, how are these books connected? Did, was it any easier writing the second one?
0: You know, it wasn't because it's different. It's fiction with nonfiction
1: principles. So yeah. I built characters into the second book. where the first book, it was just me speaking. So it was a big challenge for me. I will tell you,
0: just writing books, just like you mentioned, is like, it's, it, I never dreamed I was going to be writing books. And, and it was really five and a half years ago I was with my father. Rest in peace, Dad. But... Uh, you know, my best friend, my coach, my mentor, my father um, was battling multiple myeloma, and and just watching him, you know, go through it, and never play victim, and always have vision for his future, he'd inspired me, you know, like never before, and, and, and I remember being in his house, and staring at the ceiling about three in the morning, and I couldn't sleep, and I was just amazed at, at how he was going about it, and And I was like, wow. I said, you know, I've learned so much from this man. He's been such a mentor. He's been such a coach. He's been such an incredible father and best friend to me. And I'm like, you know, all the lessons that I received from him and his environments, the people like Mano and and the people like Yogi Berra, Thurman Munson, Bobby Mercer, these champions I got to be around growing up. and And then to play with champions, what I realized at that moment is I've used and absorbed all of the all of these and inherited these environments, these friends, these champions. And I always used it to my benefit, but I never passed it along to someone else to try to help them get better. And that was the moment I was like, you know, I'm going to make the second half of my life all about helping other people. And I I remember the next morning I was like, I'm going to write a book. And now I have the bug. And it's like, how do you develop other books? Well, you have to keep growing and evolving, and I would tell you that the best way to grow is to fail. So as long as I keep failing, I'll be have the opportunity to keep writing books about how I overcome the failure.
1: Yeah, and I was going to get to The Observer after Relentless Success, and the reason why I didn't get right to it in the beginning was because I had actually blanked. I hit a brain fart. I'm glad that you started you know, right in on it because... It's coming out kind of in stages, right? And, and then it's full for like every format's available at the end of the month, right? It's it's a slow yeah, stage correct. release, right? Okay, so I did have that part right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, December 29th is the launch, the, the official launch. Um, you know, obviously it's up for o-
0: order for pre order now. Yep. Um, I mean, we're really excited about how kind of how this has been going, and, and you know, my whole my whole mission on this is how many people can I get to not just buy the book but to read the book and and hopefully that this book will help them just like it had helped me because everything in that book, every model and every principle came from someone else to help me when I needed the help the most. And uh, so I just wanted to pass along all of those great tools and models through the story, uh, fiction story of three really main characters 80 Entrepreneur the main character in the book, and and she has a, a 15-year-old son that's grown up that wants to be like her grandfather who was a pitcher in the major leagues. And so much of the book mirrors my true story, but then I pass it along into these characters. So I'm excited about how it ended up, and I can't wait for
1: people to read it. Yeah, no doubt. Todd Stottlemyre, our guest here on the ML Sports Platter, uh, at Todd Stottlemyre on Twitter, and ToddStottleMeyer.com. Make sure you pick up uh, both of the books, um, of course, pre-order on The Observer and, and Relentless Success as well. Your Your Twitter profile says three-time World Series champion. Correct. So, two, uh, two with, with Toronto. 1993 with the Blue Jays, yep. Yep. and then
0: 2001, I was a member of the Arizona Diamondbacks, and even though I was on the injured list. That's and, what uh, I, was I was wondering. With, okay. Yeah, I yep. was with the club all year. So, yeah.
1: Okay. Sure. So, <laughs> it's just, it's it's... I mean, your career, you had a really, really nice career, but you get three rings, and, I mean, in the most wild fashion, you were front-row seat, you know, you were—you had a front-row seat to the Joe Carter home run, which is one of two walk-off homers still to this day in, in the history of the World Series, the other one being Bill Mazurowski in 1960 in Game 7 off, off of Ralph Terry and the Yankees, and then in 2001... The greatest closer of all time after Alfonso Soriano take you know hits the home run to get the lead, every Yankee fan's like, damn, here we go again, man, four in a row, unbelievable. And then and then, whoops, right? Rivera has the bad inning, Luis Gonzalez with the blue Tory brings the infield in. Which one of those for you was more exciting?
0: Oh wow. Well, you know, each one was as exciting as the other. Let me say it that way because, um, you know, they were. I mean, it was just crazy. First of all, to win the first one in '92 was was everything a kid dreams of. Um, the '93 World Series, the Joe Carter walk off. I mean, just the euphoria. I mean, just it was so dramatic. It was just crazy. And it's like you know, you go from. And I was warming up in the bullpen because I was going in the next inning that the game was tied. And it's like you go from preparing and getting ready and you're warming up and the intensity of your focus and you go from that to like, oh, my, we just won the World Series again. And it was like <laughs> instant. And it's like this. I mean, it's just the craziest <laughs> feeling in the world. And then you get to 2001 and. You know, I'm in the dugout, and and it's kind of like I'm just there as as extra help and whatever I could do to help guys get ready or whatever it is. And I was like an extra coach for for you know. Um, but in any case, it's like you know, and to have my father in the other dugout, it was pretty incredible. But yeah. to have Rivera on the on the mound in the ninth, they got a one run lead. It's kind of like game over, right? Yeah. And it goes from that, and then and then. Uh, um, the bunt play where he, where Rivera throws the ball wide at second base, and and then the Gonzo, you know, hit just over the head of Jeter at short, just touches the outfield grass, and and it goes from, it literally goes from it looks like, and it's kind of like, you know, you get to the bottom of the ninth before the inning starts, and it's like, man, all of this, and we're gonna lose in game seven by one run and Mariano River, and you kind of have that feeling like, man, it's been a long year. I remember the first day of spring training, and you kind of get all the way there, and then all of a sudden, bam, you're world champion again, and it just happened so quick and so unbelievable. So, the excitement, it's kind of hard to say one was more exciting than the other because at that moment, it's the most exciting thing in the world. It's like to, be a, to become and to be named and be the last man standing on a field and, and to get the title of a world champion is the most special thing in
1: the world. Yeah, you had nine like eleven playing had, in that deal, oh so God. it's pretty crazy. Yeah, and you had nine eleven, the three games in New York, beyond Hyun Kim, you know, giving up the Tino Homer, the Mr. November to Jeter, yeah, you had the Brocious yeah. Homer, all that stuff, down to two outs and all that. And it was it was a wild up and down Pettit got shelled in game six. I mean it was Yeah. It was, it was wild. Crazy. Yeah, it was wild and then you got
0: then you got Schilling and you got yeah, you guys pitching for the yeah.
1: for the Diamondbacks and a guy by the name of Roger yep. Clemens starting yep. game seven for the New York Yankees. It was storybook, man. And, and it was story. Every game was storybook.
0: Every game was like someone hits a home run and wins a game. And, and it was just crazy. And, you know, it was a crazy year. You know, you mentioned after 9-11 and everything that the country had gone through at that moment. So um, and to have. President Bush, and I re- I'll never forget at Yankee Stadium, you know, for, for Game 3, you're all out on the deal, and it's Game 1 in New York, but Game 3 of the World Series, and, and we're all lined up there, they do the introductions, and and we're and I remember standing out there on that line, in, in third base line, prior to the game, and, and George Bush comes out of the dugout, and he throws out the first pitch, and then the Eagle, the bald Eagle, flies in from center field to home plate. The stadium's going crazy. The jets are flying over, and I was like, "Wow! Yeah. Like, look at what's going on." And just to be, just to be there, hmm. and to be standing out there, and all of this going on, and all of the emotion of the country at that time, and then, and then every game going back and forth, and someone winning by a home run late in the game, or something happened late. It was, it was a crazy World Series
1: you bring up the um, the 93 World Series with you know all that emotion as well and Joe Carter hitting it out I, I don't know if you remember the Syracuse Chiefs beat man for the post standard you remember Matt Michael he covered you you remember Matt I, I think I do yeah, him. yeah yeah well he he's a dear friend of mine and if and, and he always does it every single time we're hanging out or when I'm home by myself or you know, I'll text him if I see the highlight again and if you pause it and you, you look I mean you'll strain your eyes but he, in the left field area right above the wall where Carter hits it you know they had a media auxiliary right and and yeah. they had like four or five rows of media and matt is right in there and so he always he always points. Right. He always points that out, and he, he loved covering you too. He loved you know. He, he loves his time. Uh, he loved his time in baseball, and uh, you know the minor leagues. It's a sad state of affairs. Again, Todd Stottlemyre with us right now. Uh, minor leagues are are, are hurting. Uh, you know, major leagues kind of kick, kicking them to the curb a little bit. Uh, the scouting and all the all the rest of it's been cut. Uh, coronavirus isn't helping, of course. But Rob Manfred has this idea of shrinking it down, um, and Major League Baseball. You know, viewership is down. The analytics are taking over the game. Are you worried about the sport?
0: Yeah, it actually breaks my heart, you know, um, to see what happened to to the minor leagues. Because
1: they're a big deal to people like you, Todd.
0: To see what it's doing there because,
1: you know, if it it wasn't for the minor leagues, it wasn't for the system, if it
0: wasn't for all the teams, you know, maybe I wouldn't have gotten a chance to live out my childhood dream. and, And there's no question that, there are going to be some childhood dreams that are going to be cut off because of what they're doing and then you know this whole thing with covid and just how the game is changing and and uh you know people look there's the personality the game is now missing it has become so analytical and so robotic you know um you know look i always say analytics have always been a part of the game they have always everyone was you know, you'd study whether it was charts or you'd always study something to try to get an edge to try to understand what the other guy or what the other team was trying to do. Analytics have always been a part of the game. They were always a spoke in the wheel. They were just never the wheel. Yeah. You see, it was a tool. The tool became, it's become more than a tool. And I'm not against analytics, but running the game. See, here's what a computer can't measure. It can't measure a man or woman's heart. It can't measure the preparation before a big game. It can't measure, you know, the heartbeat of the of the batter or the pitcher in a big game. It's just kicking out numbers. So you lose a little bit of the personality of Major League Baseball when it's so analytically driven today. And it's and and to me, it's a shame because I don't know what it looks like five years from now, 10 years from now, you know, I have a 15 year old son and it's kind of like, you know, I keep telling him, I say, listen, you know, he plays second base and he, you know, he's taking ground balls all the time, working on his hands. And, and when he works on his swing, I say, Hey, I said, listen, forget that upper swing. I said, you know, just create a great baseball swing flat through the zone and the whole day. I said baseball will come back someday where somebody actually hits the ball the other way for a base hit. <laughs> That'll actually matter at some point. But when you got leadoff hitters hitting 15, 20 home runs you know, a year and hitting 220 and their on-base percentage is like 250, that's ridiculous. It's like what happened to the day where, where the leadoff hitter did everything he could to work himself to first base because he was a base dealer? There's no base dealers today. Because analytics say that it's a wasted out if the guy gets thrown out. It's the most ridiculous what it's like the game is losing its it's losing its personality in my opinion. Where you could have, you know, I look at the olden days, you could have all these different characters. They don't all have to be six four, they don't all have to throw ninety eight, they don't all have to hit thirty home runs. You could find a way for for You know, the average guy to become great at something that would have a chance, whether it was speed or whether it was defense, whether he was a great bunner, whether he had a great on-base percentage because he found a way to just get on base. The personality of the game is not suffering big time. And because there's no personality, people watch the game and it's boring
1: because
0: it's the same Mm -hmm. old, same old day in and day out everyone's waiting on the three-run homer. It's ridiculous.
1: No doubt, Todd Stottlemyre with us. A couple more for you here, Todd, on the ML Sports Platter. Go grab both of his books, of course, Relentless Success, and the one coming out in full on all platforms on the 29th. You can pre-order now, toddofficial.com, and visit the shop at Todd Stottlemyre on Twitter, toddstottlemeyer.com. You must have been losing your mind watching the baseball playoffs. Davey Garcia gets pulled by Aaron Boone. It was no doubt an organizational decision. Blake Snell gets pulled out of the, the World Series. And you, you've got to be going, what am I watching here? What is happening? at Those moments, I think of people like you, man. I think, of, I think of you. I think of your dad. I think of people who played the game watching it going, what is happening right now? Were you losing it when those two things happened?
0: Well... You know, it was crazy to me. I was watching the Yankee game in the playoffs and how about when Garrett Cole gets taken
1: out after a long fly ball out? Sure. Sure, there's yeah, another like, one. Yeah. It's it's
0: the sixth inning. Yep. First guy up hits a fly ball to left field to the wall for an out.
1: Right, and you're paying Yeah, and, you and now you're paying, paying him to be Bob Gibson. Yeah, exactly. And, and in the winter, I paid him $300 million to help me he <laughs> win a world championship. Yeah, yeah, you're paying him to be um, Bob Gibson, right, Whitey Ford. You're paying yeah. him to be Jack Morris. Oh, yeah. And I'm kind of like, yeah. wow, yeah. Yeah. I'm really confused. Yeah. Who do they have that they're
0: bringing in that's better than this guy?
1: Yeah. That was what I thought at that time. And then the Snell deal, I was like, wow.
0: <laughs> you know, he gets taken out right before he's going to face the next three hitters. By the way, those three hitters... He'd already faced him twice in that game, (laughs) and all three hitters had struck out twice. What would make me want to go to get him out of a game on someone he has dominated the first two times up? Here's the only thing I could come up with, because analytics tell you that the starting pitcher's role today is to only go through the lineup twice, not three times. That's the only th- I mean, I don't know how else you could come up with a scenario where I'm going to go take out a guy that's dominating in the game, number one. Number two, he has dominated. He has dominated the next three guys by striking them all out twice for a total of six strikeouts and six at-bats. <laughs> the only thing I can think of, the only thing, because I was like, what in the world? And, and I'm, the only thing I can think of is analytics said it's time to go get him out of the game because he's going to face these guys for a third time. That's what, this is my point. It's like, how about the heart of the pitcher? Right. How about how big the game was? How about his heartbeat? How about his gamesmanship? How about the personality of him trying to figure out how to strike him out or get him out a third time? Lost. That's lost. We didn't get a chance as fans of the game to see him go do that. See the ones who are getting cheated, in my opinion, are the fans. No doubt, one that comes in, you know. So uh, unbelievable. Look, I know there's still, you know, you still have some guys in the game that are that are pitching deep in the game and that are, you know, maybe more traditional to being a starting pitcher. But the art of starting pitcher, the the art of being a starting pitcher, is now lost. And when I look at the game today, I'm, I'm not sure I would have ever been. You know, it's funny that I'm going to say this, but I don't, I don't think I would have ever been good enough to perform at that level hmm. under under the the kind of system that it is now. Because they're looking for starting pitchers to come out and just throw as hard as you can, middle away, and it's like not even down. They want you to throw middle away up so that they the hope is... The guy will either swing and miss or hit a fly ball. I'm like, where's the ground ball pitchers today? Where's the guys that throw 88 to 92 that can pitch a seven innings?
1: Sure, they're lost. That's a lost. I wouldn't. I don't think I would be good enough to even play major league baseball today. Wow!
0: And I'm telling you that where the starting pitchers aren't even pitching six, seven, eight nine innings today. You know, my father, you mentioned my father, he had 100, over 150 complete games in his career in 10 years. He threw 40 shutouts. There <laughs> are going to be starting pitchers today that are going to pitch 10, 15, 20 years. And they're not, my father had 40 shutouts in 10 years. They're not going to have 40 complete games in yeah. 10
1: years. Yeah, and by the way, guess who else had 40 shutouts in his career? Uh-oh, you got me you? Sandy... Kofax, there you go. You know it's there amazing. Speaking yeah. of speaking of your dad, what you know, he was such a fan favorite. Um, you know, Yankee fans, diehard throwback Yankee fans, be like, oh man, I wish. You know, Mel Stottlemyre from '64 to '74. It's too bad he had to pitch during that Yankee era because man, he deserved so much to win a World Series. He's almost like a, he's almost like the the, the throwback Don Mattingly. You know, for my generation. <laughs> But, right. then he, but then right. he ends up being, you know, on the staff, you know, with Joe Torrey. And, and, and of course, he yeah. won a World Series in 86, as we know, with the Mets. And he wins four with the Yankees. And so that was really, really great to see. But what made your dad, what made Mel Stottlemyre? Mel Stottlemyre? What made him Mel Stottlemyre the human? And what made him Mel Stottlemyre the pitcher?
0: Well, the pitcher up first is he had a he had an ability to go into the zone a place where he could truly block the world out and just be so focused and whether we even if we were playing a card game as kids and as we're growing up and we played you know we played a lot of games together we competed you know my brothers and my father we were always competing against one another and he always had this this way of getting just so focused and so in the zone and And, you know, that to me contributed to him to being a great pitcher and, and to be a great coach, you know, he found a way that in every mound visit or every workout where he was working with someone, he had a, he had a way to help his pitchers feel better about themselves because he was there, not worse. Um, and it's very empowering. And, you know, the thing I'll say about my father and, 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 you know the the few days after he passed uh, to watch the city of New York and and the New York Yankees and the Mets and 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 to watch to watch all the players and play tribute to him that had played with him or for him to watch managers like Mister Tory um, to watch even the. Uh, Um, the the owner of the New York Yankees to comment on because he was a part of our organization. Our organization is something different because of him. I mean, it was overwhelming. And the thing I say to people today that, that I would really like to pass along is, as great as he was publicly, he was 10 times that man privately to our family. And a lot of people who have got this huge public persona Privately are monsters. my father was the total opposite. he was ten times the man privately. My dad was not just dad he was man he was my best friend he was more than my best friend he was my hero he was my mentor he was my coach and uh, he
1: was just the most incredible human being I've ever met yeah, um, he was something else he was so great um in closing. Let, let's finish up on on the second book. Um, what do you hope people say about the Observer when they get done reading it?
0: Um, I think my prayer is that there was something in the book that they read that was life changing for them. There's more than fifty different principles or performance models. Um, intertwined throughout the characters of this book each one of those represented a life changing moment for me and because I received it from someone else in my environment and because of that um, you know so that tells you that over from you know really from 1993 to 2020 my life changed more than 50 different times I'm hoping that and my prayer is that if it's just one of those principles or one of those models that is relatable to the reader
1: that becomes life changing for them, um, then my prayers will be answered. Well, this has been incredible. Todd dot Stoudemire, com at Todd Stottlemeyer on Twitter. Three time World Series champion, terrific, terrific baseball career and now uh, an author of of a couple of books. Again, uh, we're just talking about uh, Relentless Success at the beginning, and, and of course, now the second one, The Observer. uh, It will be released in full on all the platforms on December 29th, pre-ordering, of course, at toddofficial.com and uh, make sure you pick up your copies of both as it's a, a terrific time to read. Uh, Todd, I loved watching you play during your, your your heyday. I loved going to the ballpark at, at, at MacArthur Stadium, Syracuse Chiefs. Thanks for making a, a little kid happy, you know, with all those autographed cards and balls, and you take care of yourself, and please – Please enjoy the sunshine for me, if anybody, okay? <laughs> hey, Mike, I appreciate it, and I got to tell you, it's because of people just like you
0: it allows me to get the message out, so I'm forever grateful and humbled that you asked me to be on your show. Um, it, was a, it was an honor for me, so um, you have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, stay safe, and stay warm, my friend.
1: Incredible stuff from Todd Stottemeyer. ML Sports Platter brought to you by Pelra Contracting, Bear Creek Restaurant, Liverpool Physical Therapy, and Brian Conboy of Mass Mutual, New York State. Get Brian on Facebook and LinkedIn. Your financial future can be set up today with Brian Conboy of Mass Mutual. New York State. I'm Mike Lindsley. Hit me all over the social media platforms at Mike L Sports on Twitter. And of course, be on the lookout for my nine minute with Mike Lindsley segments and ML Sports takes on Twitter, Facebook, IGTV, YouTube, and TikTok. One more tip of the cap, thank you to Todd Stadelmeyer for coming on the ML Sports Platter. Thank you for listening. Make sure you download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review where podcasts are found on your smartphone device. As I always tell you, enjoy the games.